Welcome to Intern Whisperer Live, the show all about internships and how to survive them. This is Jerron. This is Isabella. And this is Andy. <laughs> Joining us for this episode is David Hunter with Florida Patient Association and Yoshi Vega, previous intern and now contractor with Pivot Business Consulting. Coming up this episode of Intern Whisperer Live, David Hunter, the founder of nonprofit call, a nonprofit called Florida Patient Association, will talk about his company. While Yoshi Vega, the previous intern with Pivot Business Consulting and now contractor with Pivot, will talk about her experiences. We will also talk about the Department of Labor and the seven criteria for unpaid internships, also moving into the protected status. And of course, our favorite uh, section, the coolest in innovations in... The coolest in innovation. The coolest in innovation. There we go. Well, we forgot our leadership stuff. Leadership. So we know that we're live, and we always have these little snafus, but <laughs> we also talk about leadership and great leaders. So we'll have to make sure that gets added to the show notes. That's okay. All right. So our social, I want to make sure that you know how to find us. You can find us on Facebook, and you can find us as Pivot Biz Consult and also Inter Pursuit. You can find us, we have a game, and you can find us there on intern pursuit forward slash game. Um, Twitter is at pivot, pivot Business Consult, at intern pursuit. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, where you can listen to us live on the MixLR radio station. Be sure to do the search for Valencia College Radio. Download that, whole, I mean, follow that. You'll be able to get all of our updates when we're actually going live. And then you can watch us live on Facebook. Of course. But before we get started, let's talk about our first sponsor, Starter Studio, an accelerator and co-working area. Cool co-working space to 100-plus companies working in areas of technology and supportive businesses. A healthy startup community doesn't exist in a bubble, and Canvas is working to connect startups to a broader entrepreneurial ecosystem that will help them grow. You can find them at canvas.org. Thank you, Canvas. Now, let's get to our employer spotlight. David Hunter, founder of Florida Patient Association. Hello, David. Hi. Good, good evening. How are you doing tonight? Very good. Excited to be here. Glad. Um, so what is Florida Patient Association? Uh, that's a good question. Florida Patient Association was created to fill a need, a void, for patients throughout the state of Florida that need support and education in areas that... Uh, or have been totally neglected or uh, have developed over the course of technology and uh, advent of systems that have displaced communication. So we're trying to help people understand where services and platforms are for health and safety and things of that nature. All right. So basically, if you've been wronged in some way, you're giving them a place, not just attorneys, but you're giving them another resource that can help them navigate that system to be able to find a good attorney Correct. to help them to help them find health benefits, things of that nature, right? True. There, there's a very few systems to connect people um, with the majority of the people that get hurt in either some type of medical procedure or facility. Um, most of those are the proportionate amount of those people are are older and they're not as tech savvy they don't know where to go and look for those services so we've tried to fulfill a, a need where 
we can have uh, opportunities to help people that can't help themselves. Yeah, I always find it easy if I keep things on a, a basic level for non-technical people. So I was trying to make sure it was easy for people that may not understand some specific jargon that you were mentioning or specific words to that. Right. Jargon could be a word that people aren't familiar with. This is obviously <laughs> an educational show. Yeah. yeah. And what inspired you to find this company? Uh, I myself was hurt in a hospital accident and found that there were little to no services for someone who had uh, been wronged in an accident, and it was with a state of Florida facility. The state has sovereign immunity, so there was no recourse, so none of the attorneys or anybody would help, and there was a huge void in where do I start? Where do I start this process of understanding uh, what are what's available to me as support or services and basically I'm trying to design a platform off of my experience that then could help other people. So if we have anybody that has questions please feel free they can write us a, a chat note right through the MixLR station if they're following us live or on Facebook live if they want to ask any questions of our guests I should make sure that people know that. So that was really interesting. And one of the things, David, that you found is when you shared that story with others, there were other people that had another story, and they said, oh, my gosh, my mother, my father, somebody oh, else. Absolutely. Um, it was snowballing. Uh, yeah. Uh, depending on who you talk to, if you're talking to, you know, of course, people in the medical realm, it's, it's a taboo subject because it's not uh, a um, subject they like to bring up. But in some realms it's seen as the third largest killer behind you know uh, heart attacks and and different types of cancer so one of the main functions for what I set out to do was understand what's available to people and I was just absolutely shocked there was nothing and through the course of uh, dialogue I realized something had to be done and I was fortunate enough to run across Isabella and the sense of being able to help me uh, create a venue that can help people. So we're, we're relatively new. Um, it takes a long time to get something like this up and running, but through you know, Isabella's help and others and, and what we've been able to identify, uh, the, the need is great. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there, and, and, and sometimes it's as, as subtle as someone coming up and they say, hey, uh, by the way, my grandmother was in the hospital and developed an infection and died, and we didn't know who to talk to. And we've had other people who literally have turned to us and said, hey, um, you may want to talk to this medical uh, facilities person because they got developed uh, uh, a reaction to an allergic reaction to one of the chemicals in the hospital and died. And it comes in all different forms. So it's not necessarily just one way of, of helping people, but we see it as a way of uh, collectively building an army of 20 million people in the state of Florida. So whether you guys know it or not, you are a member of the Florida Patient Association, as are all your listeners. Mm -hmm. And so you're really helping to build a lot more advocacy out there because I know that when my mother was in the hospital, she had cancer. And it was really, I always felt that it was really good that I was there um, because the people that are in the hospital, they don't feel well. They're on medication. They're not paying attention to things that are going on around them. And they're either in a state of you know, pain or drugs that are impending their uh, ability to pay attention to things that are being done to them. And it's really important to have somebody there that can 
help them and say, wait a minute, what are you doing? Why are you giving this, this particular drug to my family or any of those things? They're, it's really important because there's a lot of people in the hospital that they don't have somebody there with them all the time. I found it huge. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that Isabella uh, just kind of brought to bear was when you're in the hospital and you don't feel well, you're not able to make acute decisions. You're not able to make really sharp decisions for yourself. And what happens if you're unconscious? Who's there to help you? And who's there when you're not there? Let's say are the are the interest of your well-being being served at all times? So you would hope that laws and and that systems are there to protect you, but they're not necessarily there. And I'll give you an example. Um, who's stronger, the hospital, the doctor, the insurance uh, company, or the patient? Well, if you look at that as a whole, the patient's obviously at a disadvantage. These, these three other realms are, are definitely overwhelmingly larger in scope than the individual. But if you put 20 million people together, that's pretty formidable. And if you look at that from a voting uh, realm, that's even more so. So part of Florida patient is the advocacy to, to kind of allow the patients to have a voice through the state of Florida. We, we hope to have not only uh, a, a lobbyist on staff that will be going to the state and representing the, the patients and their best interests. And, and what we would like to deem as best practices, best practices are, are nothing more than you know, what are the best ways to handle something? Well, guess what? That's not always the way a hospital handles it. That's not always the best way that a doctor handles it or a nurse or even uh, someone who's in facilities. So we're trying to look to, to raise the standard to help the individual all the way to the collective. Mm -hmm. That's really um, good information out there. Now, I'm not sure if we have any listeners that are actually experiencing this, but how can they find you? Where is it? Do you have a website? Do you have social? Yes, we've, we've just rolled out. Well, we started off as a, as a beta test on Facebook just to get some kind of idea. And we, had, uh, we didn't field any uh, large amount of questions or, or cases, per se. But we had 2,500 people reach out to us in roughly, I think, a 90-day period. So we know there's interest, and we're gauging some of those uh, interest as to what the website looks like and we've tested in different realms with the website because we want to make sure that we're not overstating and underrepresenting. we're trying to make sure we have enough systems and services that that can help people immediately what kind of programming would you be able to offer because right now you're you're infancy yeah actually yeah. Now we're we're looking at the very least to to educate and and, and provide uh, channels for people to to see where there are uh, support services. Um, if you go to um, here in Orlando and you look and say, are there free clinics? There's a handful, but you don't necessarily know of it. Uh, if you go to Jacksonville, if you go to Gainesville, if you go to different uh, uh, municipalities, City. well, counties versus cities, because counties have certain mandates versus cities, and nobody collectively shares information. So part of that is we hope to make it a resource so that if you live in, let's say, Okeechobee, Florida, you have as much of a, a, a grasp of what's available to you there as someone who's in Miami. So you mentioned that... They could find Florida Patient Association on Facebook. Is it as 
FPA, which I know that's the acronym that you and I use. It's listed or is both. It as, yes, it's listed okay. as both. Yeah, you could find it under Florida Patient Organization, or you can find Association. association sorry, okay. <laughs> you've got me uh, thinking even more now. But uh, yeah, you can find it under Facebook, and the uh, website that it should be live again this coming week will be FloridaPatientAssociation.org. And is there a uh, LinkedIn account, Twitter, any of those? Um, no, we're kind of doing this on a, well, uh, I'll toss that back to you. Having had the, the, the chance to work with your interns and all the great knowledge and skills that they come in, any resources that we can help uh, leverage off of would be greatly appreciated. We do want to try and identify the, the most likely resources people are going to use. And Facebook's one because we have people, we know of people in their 80s that are using that. We know people who are eight years old that are using that. But we want to make sure that we're getting to the places we can get the highest visibility first. Right. I get that. And you used some of the interns. What did the interns uh, that were with my company, what did they do with for you? Oh, wow. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'd have to say I'm very blessed in the sense that I had no idea what, you know, when you come across people and you see what talent is available. But some of those initial meetings on the Valencia campus downtown and uh, in Winter Park, uh, I was just floored by some of the um, skills that these kids had and suggestions they made. Some are still being used today, and they continue to evolve. So. Uh, everything from graphics to verbiage to uh, design content, uh, I, I was very impressed. Yeah, so we created a logo for Florida Patient Association, and we also created all of the icons that were supposed to be set up on their social channels. Um, we did some videos that he could use in social, so that was something else that we had done. Um, we worked on the website, created some systems and programming, um, templates that he could use. So there was a lot of information that was pulled together using a relatively um, inexperienced team that had high creativity and a lot of great skills. But you always need to have somebody, you can't, as an employer, you can't just go and pull students in and say, here, do this. They need to have guidance. So there needed to be people around that could either mentor them in their specific technical skills or people that were there to give them guidance. Because I've seen a lot of employers will go and say, here, you know, do this. And they don't give them a lot of uh, direction or any guidance as to the way it's supposed to be done. But I know that, David, you, you have that kind of a teaching mentality. And that's part of why I think that you've been a really good mentor from them because, for them because you've spent a lot of time there. Well, it's a, it's a reciprocal uh, relationship. I've, I've gotten a lot out of it and I hope they have as well. Uh, the one thing that I've seen that's come from this is that, uh, uh, you know, it's brought out some of the the attributes in me I didn't know I had. So I, uh, when you talk about teacher, um, the things I would like to be known for is that uh, I created something that helped people and uh, we we're, were able to help and educate as I went along that path. So Yeah, that's true. We probably need to ask some other questions because we do have another guest here, though. So what other questions did we have for David? All right. Three leaders, living or dead, on a global level, local level, and personal level that you find extraordinary. 
um, in rapid fire. <laughs> I would say Jesus, Abraham Lincoln, and probably uh, would say Eisenhower. Hmm. But why? Why are all of those significant? Um, so let's start with sure. Jesus. That was your, I guess, your global. Yeah, that would be my global. Or is that um, your personal? I'm not well, sure. Well, above all things, love. So he said it. I try to live it. And that's that's a hard standard to live up to. So I would say that's the, the if you had a global message, that would be mine. Okay. So personal? Uh, from Lincoln. Uh, never give up. Um, he had a lot of failure before he had his greatest success, successes, and uh, you know he was uh, really, I would say, strong when others could be easily weak. I like Abraham hmm. Lincoln. There's always these great quotes that are out there on the internet, and I find them so inspiring. So that's a that's a really good one. But you mentioned Eisenhower. Which one? Uh, well, I'm a fan of the family, but. Uh, when you talk about the, the Teddy Roosevelt and the changes of, and both Roosevelts that I know that were, that I looked Wait, to. Wait, I'm confused. What, right. Did you say Roosevelt and yes. I missed it? I thought he said Eisenhower. I'm sorry, I did. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 yeah. You said something as a quote and I changed. I'm sorry. Yeah, so um, I was Eisenhower, <laughs> I'll tell you why Eisenhower rose above the Roosevelts. The Roosevelts were always at critical points in change in history and when you say you know segments change and technology we're upon that right now with technology and where the world goes and if technology is used for good or bad and it was the same in those critical points I, I point to Eisenhower because that's a guy who was able to bring people from all realms together to conquer evil and if you really go back and look at the things that he was able to do uh, I, I find that's a guy who was able to, it's, it's hard enough to fight the world. It's hard enough to fight, you know, any conflict or industry you're in. It's, it's tough to fight those around you. But somebody that can overcome so much that they have my respect. So. Mm, yeah, really good. And they were all presidents there that you <laughs> threw out there. Yeah, that's cool. I have a question. Um, since we were just saying how those people were, be, were able to, like, overcome those evils, mm -hmm. how would you like to be remembered yourself? Uh, for leaving things better than I found them. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in that because a lot of people, one of Lincoln's quotes, um, uh, people are only as happy as they allow themselves to be. And I try to engage people and always leave them in a, a better mood or better, better mindset than when I met them. So I hope that's the case. I'm sure there's people in traffic on I-4 that think differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. So what's right. our next question then? Our last question is innovation. What is your definition of it? Something you find cool, something that you find innovative? Oh, wow. You could really get me off on a tangent there. I'm not a techie, but I, I get – I consider myself a futurist. I like thinking what if and how things change. Um that's a two-pronged question, good and bad. And I would say if I said predictive analytics, predictive analytics that could make your life easier and help save lives and do things, but at the same time not, uh, I would say, inhibiting or dampening creativity because people tend to get uh, 
settled and, and expect certain things, and I don't want to see predictive analytics get to the point where there's not innovation of, on, on for the sake of itself. That if people, if everything, if AI starts being more predictive and doing calculating all the things we need, we're not going to be as in tune with what creativity would be or, or the needs of it. So predictive analytics, I think that when it comes to innovation, that actually comes from us, our own mind. So do you think the mind itself is even more innovative than the the things that we actually see and we're oh, amazed I, at I, I think we, as I say, we use very little of our potential. But, you know, if you're asking, you know, creature comforts and you're saying to uh, artificial intelligence, hey, and once you do self-learning and they start looking to, to, you know, make things better themselves, us, whatever, I just hope that doesn't change our current traje trajectory because I think that we're on a, a path to, to go to Mars. I think we're on a path to, to be better stewards of our, of our global needs and, and take care of our people. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sounding like I'm, you know, kumbaya right now, but <laughs> I, I'd like to see the world be a better place, and I think one of the ways of doing that is through innovation and hopefully not at the expense of creativity. Yeah, that's good stuff. All right, and I, have, I do. I said one more question. One sure. more question. Sure. Um, going back to your company, FPA. Mm -hmm. um, I know you're saying it's still in its infancy. Um, mm -hmm. How long has it been around again? Actually, it's been in phases because what I found was um, through the first leg of this, it had a legal component. Mm -hmm. Then the second part had a when I say legal, more from the standpoint of uh, how could you understand what the roles and responsibilities are of the medical uh, facilities. The hospital, you know, be it hospitals, the doctors, the insurance companies, all the way through. And during that period, the government started stepping in. Of course, we had President Obama, and he was looking to to create a uh, universal health care. And there's a lot of people who think um, that's the end all, be all answer, but it's not, because as long as you don't have holistic systems, ones that can. Uh, take care of somebody from, as they say, diapers to diapers. Have you ever heard that saying? I have yeah. not. So, <laughs> Cradle to grave. Well, trust me, Walmart knows you, and they're gauging the time between your diapers to your diapers. So, but there's a lot of big organizations. And, and I'll give you an example of it when you said, uh, think, how did you asked the question, how did it change? It changed because the world continues to change. So what happened to me, what I was looking for, is different even today than when that happened. And so just if the FPA doesn't evolve as the need does, then it won't survive. It won't be of utility to, to many people. I want to make sure it's evolving and, and hopefully uh, we'll be here in 100 years, as long as Florida doesn't go underwater. <laughs> and would you ever want to expand it outside of Florida? I think it's a great opportunity for a template to be able to use in other states. Uh, other states have different needs. Florida is extremely dynamic. I mean, I'm a, I'm a seventh-generation Floridian. There's not a lot of those around. And I grew up under the tutelage of a grandfather who showed me what a high-energy state is. High energy is hurricanes, forest fires, uh, you know, uh, just a constant change because it's a high-energy state. Well, guess what? We have now 20 million people in a high energy state, all from different places, all to make it better in some way. And the thing that 
FPA could be is if it could satisfy the needs of Florida, I know it could satisfy the needs of California and New York. And there you've just satisfied three of the top 50 largest states. Awesome. It was nice talking to you, David. Thank you. Thank you. And now for our intern spotlight, Yoshi Vega, a previous intern with Pivot Business Consulting, an entrepreneurial freelance production artist. How are you doing, Yoshi? I'm good. Thanks for having me. So first question, where did you graduate from and what was your major? I actually graduated here from Valencia. Okay. Great. I did uh, print and interactive design. We waved to one of your instructors. We should give a special shout-out to the two best instructors that I, I know from the graphic design program. So Christy and Jason. Jason. I honestly don't know Jason's last Jason name. Ellison. Okay, there we go. And Christy? Panino. There you go. So special shout-out to them. She walked by the window, and we love her to pieces. They're both fantastic instructors here. Yes, they are. Yeah. And what made you choose that major? Um, actually, uh, I've always been painting and drawing since a little kid. Uh, my father worked for Universal and mm. was a contractor. My mom worked at Disney, and then they always inspired me to continue to build things. So I realized that I could go and continue doing artwork through graphics and then mold that into whatever I wanted, actually. Okay, so you've always had these creative influences throughout your life, essentially. Yeah, yeah I right. did. Uh, it's rare that I feel like people always find the supportive people, especially in their parents sometimes, because yeah. I, I'm happy, like, uh, initially, like, I came from, like, a theater background, so it's cool. like, I want to do that all the time, but my parents were always the type to be more, go into the practical mindset, yeah. but it's nice seeing, like, two creative parents actually having, like, a creative child and actually still telling them to follow their dreams, because I feel like that's rare nowadays. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so, um, when it came to Pivot, um, what do you think was the most valuable thing that you learned from your internship? Um, not to be nervous mm. around people. <laughs> and um, be yourself, because when you are actually in tune with yourself, it's natural to make someone smile, to learn faster, because you're not in your head with all that anxiety and fear. And I realized that every adult was a kid once, mm. so it's not so scary. People, talking to people and strangers, you start learning how to be comfortable with yourself and others. Oh, my goodness. I remember when I first met her, she and I were interviewing. Yeah. It's very emotional. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I, I think it was more for you, but it was also for me. And it's like, oh, my goodness. I said, just take my hands. You know, it's going to be okay. This yeah. is not that big of a deal. It's just a conversation. Yeah. yeah. It was It was literally a pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. And it's it's funny, but, yeah, you you go through a lot of things, and you realize that every everything that happens to you is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really liked about and made her stand out during this whole process, like interviewing and then working with her, and I still continue to enjoy working with her, and she's one of my, she knows she's one of my favorites. <laughs> so I bring her in to work with um, me on the clients. So now she's a contractor, and she has her own business, so she's an entrepreneur, and she'll tell us more about that later. But when she was coming in here and we started working, I noticed that she was had really high listening skills, and she would listen to what the client was asking, and she'd be able to give them what they were looking for pretty quickly. Um, she had some previous experience, previous experience. I think that helps a lot. But she also was really, um, it was quality first, and then it was the speed. So she was 
for me, I'm going, she's operating at a whole different level. Because I've seen people come in and they work with me and they're good. And she's probably heard me say that. And good is average to me, honestly. There's great and then there's extraordinary. And she just always stands out because I think she's extraordinary. And I know I'm saying a lot of all of these great things, but this is part of how she stands out is because she delivers quality, it's speed, she listens really intently to make sure she's giving the client what it is that they're asking for. So three great qualities. There you go. Thanks. Yeah. Here, here. <laughs> and um, how recent was it that, that you interned for Isabella? Um, that was like four years ago, right? Th close to three-ish. Yeah, because you graduated last year. Yeah. But I finished it a little bit earlier, I mm -hmm. think. Yeah, so it's a little while back. Time flies. Oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really does. So, it, yeah, it's been a little while. Okay. And um, what do you think? I know you're saying you kind of gained that confidence to be able to talk to those people like during your, from your internship. Yeah. How do you think you've grown since then from those um, four years ago? Um, I, in a sense, am now realizing what she's saying, all those qualities in me that I don't see because it just it's so fluid for me. <laughs> so I realize, yeah. Pretty awesome sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's for the first time being prideful in a good, humble way and knowing that. I think it's I, more of confidence. It's confidence, not being prideful. Yeah. I think well, that's really confidence. I'm proud of the art and all of the work I've done for clients. Mm -hmm. You're proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. You're proud of your work, but prideful, yeah, not so much. I don't yeah, see I'm you as that. Now. You're just way more confident. Oh, yeah. Since the day, the first day, I've been a lot more confident. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. that the confidence, she helped me realize that. Because you can't teach that. You have to realize it yourself that you have it the whole time. Yeah. Ooh, we sound like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> the home is always there. Click your heels, right? <laughs> That's awesome. So I wanted to um, know, um, how did you get into freelance? Freelance. Um, I think it was just through doing the internship through Isabella is when I realized that... Um, well, I ended up working for a print shop for a little bit and then realized that it didn't matter if I was in a shop or at home. Mm. I could always find a client and do it myself. Well, I'm always doing it myself, you know. I'm doing the files and printing and stuff. But I realized that freelancing gets me out there to do, like, events or special occasions instead of just staying at home behind the computer and not really having that human-to-human -human interaction. Mm -hmm. So that's what got me to freelance. Networking is really a large part of that. Yeah. Are you more comfortable with it now? Very much. Yeah. And luckily there's bars that hold networking events. So, yeah. yeah. Lots of meetups. Yes, a lot. And it helps me. Um, you know, I'm very sociable. I could jibber-jabber all day. <laughs> but then it's to stay on topic is key. So networking, you know, there's a purpose. <laughs> One of the things that a lot of the students, whether they're in video production or graphic design or whatever it is that they're thinking of, they'll say, oh, I want to start my own business. And I said, okay, just watch everything that I'm doing because let me tell you, this is going to be something you're living and breathing and you have to decide if that's really something you want to do. Mm -hmm. You have to learn how to price relatively early so you know how to price appropriately and competitively. And then um, some of them have said, hey, I want to write a business plan. So we go, okay, if that's your goals, then we'll sit down and write it. A couple of them did that, and they realized, you know what, they did not want to actually fulfill on the business because there was something that was going to cost them even more. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting also. But yeah. it's a process that she's now been able to see that 
okay? I, I did it in studio. She can always do in studio, work with an, uh, an agency, but she can also freelance on the side. What do your parents have to say about all this now? My mom just calls me a boss lady. Ooh, <laughs> boss. Yeah, <laughs> boss. Because she's like, you always work for someone, but now you're working for yourself. Now you can say, I'm not going to go into work today. And she's always jealous. She's oh. like, I wish I didn't have to go in. I was like, no, I still have to go in. I still have to do something. Otherwise, yeah. you know, that water bill's not going to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm really proud. My sister, um, seven years older than me, is very proud of me, too. Um, nice. But, you know, she's a big sister. She can't say that. Oh, got it. I'll slack off. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And would you ever like to um, open your own studio and have your own employees? Uh, yeah, one day would be great. I would love to open a gallery and have people just show off their artwork and pieces. You should tell them what kind of artwork you create, though. And also, of course, for how they can find you. True. Well, for now, I um, I just do the graphics, like illustrations and so forth, but I really want to be a scenic designer. I want to build props. I love Halloween. Um, my, uh, I, my company is named Spooky Yoshi's Creations, so it varies from building skeleton props to just replicas of anything. Um, I'm actually going to a mold-making class tomorrow, so it's oh, going to be fun. fun. So I really love that. I, I really want to build sets for like festivals and so forth mm -hmm. so really theater and anything like theme park design even exhibitions yeah the haunted mansion yeah yeah it anything is. haunted yeah. i, I <laughs> want to build haunted houses for a living that's my end goal yeah. yeah um i know that i follow her on instagram and also on facebook and so i can you know look and see oh what is it that she's creating and i i like to see the the artwork that she creates but a mold making class. Where do you go for finding that? That seems so random. Yeah, it? it's. Um, I actually went to one of the networking events um, with one of my fellow <coughs> friends, and a lawyer just started talking to me. What do you do? Well, I want to build haunted houses. Well, I like building props. You should go to this mold making class. And so, is it's, that a meetup that's out there? It's a uh, Reynolds Sam's. It's a. It's a company that builds molds. Hmm. And they, they do it for... They're local? Yes. They're on the Silver Star. Yeah. It's really cool. I sh I'll share that with you. Yeah. They have free seminars. That's why I'm going. Got it. But they oh. have it uh, every couple months, different things. You do replicas. You can just learn about epoxy resins. It's fascinating. I love being able to walk up to something and figure out how to build it. And I feel like that should be the reason why people should hire me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good reason. Yeah, yeah, because they either A, don't want to do it, don't know how to do it, and, yeah. you know, may not have time to do it. Yeah. So. But I'm, I'm always a teacher, too. So you are. I love when people say, how do you make that? Well, do you want to learn? I'll show you. One of the things that I had done with her is I have her as a mentor to some of the other baby graphic designers that will work with me. She's actually accumulated um, about eight years of experience mm -hmm. because she, before she went to school, she was doing stuff like building websites and, and playing around with graphic design. But now she's got the degree. She's got all of the official things that mm -hmm. she needs. And she's been a really great mentor to the other other students that are in school and she has a bit of a reputation a good one here on yeah. the valencia campus they say um, her name and they know who she is unbeknownst to me i'm famous yeah. i didn't know that yeah <laughs> um since you mentioned mentoring did you ever want to become a teacher yourself yes yes i think i was once asked by one of my older friends she's an artist herself she said if you were to lose your ability 
like one of your senses, what would you do? If you couldn't see, would you still do graphic design? If you couldn't touch a computer because you don't have any hands, would you be able to build? I said, well, I could still talk. Could I still learn sign language? I think I would teach. I would teach elementary because they're so pure and their emotions are in their artwork. And you could kind of cradle that and support them, just like how my parents did. Um, they would never tell me that anything I did was wrong. They just said, that's you. Just build on that. Make it better. Make it better, your, like, better self. And I always felt like, yes, I could be a teacher for younger kids, or it didn't matter for, for what age it was. But I would love to teach people to express themselves because at the end of the day, it's always a form of expression that gets through the day. That's really nice. Yeah. yeah. It makes us all kind of like we're all sitting here going, yeah, that's inspiring. <laughs> yeah, we're all artists. Mm-hmm. We're just different forms. Teachers, yeah. I definitely think, yeah, we're all teaching in some capacity. Yeah. It's really about patience. Teaching is about patience. And I'm still learning patience. Oh, my goodness. Still it's going to be lifelong, I assure are. you. <laughs> and I'm um, going back to internships. Yeah. Um, um, what piece of wisdom would... <clears throat> What sorry? Uh, what piece of wisdom would you pass on to others um, seeking internships? Um, search, 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 and then realize what are you really looking for, because you can be in an internship doing a degree that you never really wanted. So what's the point? Like make sure that you're happy in the internship you look for. And I came across Isabella as a blessing. You know, I was about to give up. I couldn't find an internship. And then I had a contact back. And it wasn't that it was my last resort. It was that I felt like I was the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. I remember us saying that. Yeah. It was very emotional in that day because I realized that the best thing I could teach anyone who's looking for an internship is that the right one will fall in your lap, but you have to look for it. And sometimes when you give that little bit of, I'm going to give up, somebody just opens the door and says hello. And it's just like, wow. It's mind-blowing. So don't don't give up too quickly. That's the best key. Because mm-hmm. even when you do give up, if you lose all hope, you lose all opportunity. You remember there was this other thing that happened. You were going, okay, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get a job. I said, don't go. And you were thinking of going to school for something else and spending your money on yeah. that. We, we won't even say what it was. But I said, no, don't do that. That is not what you went to school for. That is not yeah. the path that you're supposed to be on. Yeah, and that's one thing I realized is um, even after the internship, don't find those odd and end jobs. Really sacrifice to look for that job that suits what you went for, for the internship or what you went to school for, what you truly love. Because I see a lot of my friends graduate from graphic design and they just work at McDonald's. And they're not happy. But they didn't believe in themselves to push themselves to go to ad agencies to build their own freelance company. So Mm. it's just believing in yourself. That's Mm. key. And what do you think kept you believing? Um, Well, through her internship, I met a lot of people diverse. I met my significant other now. And through him and I just talking, and we even have roommates that have different backgrounds. It is coming together and saying, I hate my job or I hate this, and then discussing it. Why do you hate it? What can you do to change it? And supporting each other in that decision. And realizing also, just like what Isabella did, was don't do that, because that's not what you like to do. Go ahead and do something else 
that better suits you. So it's just having a family. And your family can consist of your relatives or friends. The blood. Yeah. Or anyone. It can be the people in your circle at that time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back to our other question. Three leaders, living or dead, on a global level, local level, and personal level that you find extraordinary. And why. I'm going to ask you why. So just giving you a heads up. Luckily, I wrote it down because I could talk for days. <laughs> um, uh, the first one, globally, would be Buddha because there's this one quote um, that goes, thousands of candles can be lighted from a single candle, and the life of the candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreases by being shared. So that was one thing that I carried with me. My mom was Pentecostal. My father just opened to any religion. And I started studying early in the game, and that, that quote really resonated in me because I always talk to people when they're down and say, I'm that candle that can share the light to re like kindle that light again, that happiness. And I share that with people you can do whatever you want to inspire them i make sure that they're happy in themselves and i notice that i will never burn myself with my like sharing with happiness with others so that resonated in me because many people follow his steps of enlightenment to just be pure at heart and share that with others um in a local level there's a woman melissant patrick She's famous for building the creature from the Black Lagoon. Hmm. So I've. I think I've, I know that name. Yeah. She's yeah. very pretty. She, in, uh, what was it? She appeared in 21 motion pictures over the span of 20 years, from 1948 to 1968. And she even worked on King Kong and Godzilla. And growing up, my dad always watched the Sci Fi Channel, so I loved it. And that's what made me fall in love with building props, was her. Because I always loved the creature from the Black Lagoon. I even have like an action figure at home. And I never knew who made that creature. My dad always said research and you'll find an answer. And it was, her, it was a woman. Because at that time it was just a bunch of men making monsters and I admire them dearly. But then I saw that, you know, a girl in a boy's world, that's crazy. And I realized, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Exactly what she does because the best thing she did was be modest. At times she never even put her name up on the credits. She didn't care. She was just proud that she made those creatures. That was out of her head. So I realized my creations will never be shared unless if I share them. Otherwise, they don't exist. Just like how I didn't know she existed until I looked for it. And on a personal level, it would be my mom and dad. They're not together, but the best thing that they did was teach me that it didn't matter if things don't work out. It has to be deep down in your heart that you know it's true. That you can do things separately. You do things together with partners or friendships. Some things don't work out. And that's not a bad thing. It doesn't have to be. Good stuff right. again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that one got really to me. Deep. I, love these, <laughs> yeah, I, I love these parts <laughs> of the conversations because they're like really deep and it's just like the pause is just to be able to absorb it all. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Okay, um, innovation. <laughs> oh, so don't, yeah, that one, I, I'm gonna be, yeah, I feel like I'm going to be like going back online just to watch this part. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. That's okay. um, innovation, definition of what it means and something you find cool that is innovative. Um, 
I wrote down it would be finding a creative and fun way to help others learn of alternatives, creating things more efficiently or even um, environmentally friendly. And that I will introduce conductive paint. It's carbon based. I've seen it on YouTube and I've seen it on Facebook, but that was something I kept my eye on because you can literally paint a line from one, like one source of power to let's say a light bulb and that will light it up. So you can now no longer have wires through a house. You can just paint from one section to another. Oh my God, that's amazing. And it's really cool. And again, that's a conductive carbon-based paint. And it's the most fascinating thing. What color is it? Does it come in colors? It's black. It's black, but I think you could put some dyes in it to make it a different color, possibly white. Yeah, so then it could blend into any wall, so you don't see it. It's not standing out. I find it cool in the sense that it just ignited a bunch of ideas for props that, you know, less wiring, even for, let's say, for a point of purchase display. You're selling headphones, and you want it to light up. Now you don't have to worry about threading all these cords through. You just paint it and then have a button. That's amazing. Yeah. The things you find are crazy. Like, I realize there's scratch and sniff wallpaper still. Oh, no. You're kidding. I find that cool. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like you scratch, it smells like bananas. And you walk into, let's say, an ice cream shop, and they have the flavors, and, like, it's low, and you let the kids scratch and sniff the wall. It's cool. That sounds Willy Wonka. I love that. Yeah, that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did that on Willy Wonka, too. I believe. I believe so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's interesting. You know, um, I know I'm kind of jumping out of sequence, but the thing about innovation, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned this because we're still on that topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I had found this. I know it's supposed to be later on down the show, but there's a gaming company, and it's, uh, I, I don't know, we can't pull it up, but it's a Razor Project Linda, and so it's a phone, um, and it's also where that you can take your phone where the trackpad is and you embed it into the computer and so now the the phone can actually display onto your computer whatever it is that's going on and you can have conversations through it's it's changing how people are actually going to be communicating but also how they're communicate verbally but also through uh writing because it'll light light up the whole um trackpad and the keyboard in a completely different way uh, so that it's a phone and a laptop together. So many times our phones are so tiny, we can't necessarily use them as well, mm-hmm. but we can actually use them through the computer too. So it was amazing. It's kind of cool. So anyway, I, I know it was off topic, but <laughs> nonetheless. Well, regardless, we're reaching the end of our show. But before we do that, I want to talk about one of our last sponsors, which is, if I can find it, BMDM Marketing Agency. BMDM is a direct marketing agency focused on helping companies reach individuals through online and offline means. Their newest product enables them to send postcards or letters to the homes of anonymous website visitors within 24 hours of their visit using a patented IP matching technology and our in-house on-demand printing. Thank you, BMDM Marketing Agency, for sponsoring the Intern Whisperer. But before we go, do any of you guys have any shout-outs? David, Yoshi? Go ahead. 
I have a shout out to uh, Isabella for all the help and all the things she's done and listen to uh, Yoshi and her. Uh, those are very inspirational words. I, I, I want to hang out with you. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of your your uh, friends who are interns and people that have worked with me. I told Isabella I had one of the uh, young men that had interned with me two years ago call me last night and said, hey, I need some guidance. I'm, I don't think I'm on the course of the path that I should be on, and uh, I'm not fulfilled. So I'm going to have him call Yoshi because I think <laughs> she's going to be able to give him better direction than I Thanks. could. But, no, I, I want to thank uh, Isabella and everybody involved, including you guys. This has been tremendous, and I, I've I just – it puts some uh, inspiration and, and uh, really creative thoughts in my mind as to what, you know, we could be doing to help people and, and, and your analogy with the candle. Perfect. I got a whole new, <laughs> new, new uh, line there. So, but thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's kind of you, David. Thank you. Any shout outs for you? Yeah. Um, everyone I've ever met. <laughs> no, um, yeah. Thank you, Isabella, for being in my life because you mean more than, and anything I could ever imagine. Um, you know the feeling's mutual. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to speak on the radio because I've never done that before. We have to say thanks to Q and Valencia College. Mm -hmm. They give us the opportunity to be in this space. So thanks to Valencia, also John Q. He's um, the guy that runs all of this and makes it so that we have equipment and everything's working for us. So we, we really appreciate him. And then also special thanks to Andy and to Jaron. You know, I always appreciate the fact that they're here and that they make things run so smoothly. I just get to show up and be able to talk <laughs> into the mic. They, I say this every week, but it's like, it's so nice. So anyway, thank you guys. Yeah, no problem. Cool. I know Andy can't <laughs> talk. He can't talk because we don't have a mic. We're going to have to figure out how to get that mic over there on that side next time. Like maybe Yoshi and I or whoever. One of the guests will just share a mic, and then you can keep one over there. Because you always contribute some interesting insight that I find um, really fun to hear and, and to be able – I always learn something from you when you speak. So, yeah. And, and a special shout-out because Andy has a m monthly podcast, too. I do want to make sure I mention that over at the Melrose Center. So everybody should check it out and come and meet him in person. All right, before we end the show, we're going to do what we did at the beginning, which was this is Jerron, this is Isabella, this is Andy, but I want to include you guys, too. You All guys right, ready? so yes. get ready. All right. This has been Jerron. This is Isabella. This is Yoshi. This is David. And this was Andy. And thank you for listening to The Intern Whisperer. We'll see you next week.